Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Today we decided to do a little NBA Finals preview. So we had on two of our very popular guests. Mike had them on previously when I was not on, but Ryan Morton, he's our resident SB Nation Cavs fan, and Brand Kincello, he's our resident Warriors SB Nation fan. And they, they both uh, are tremendous contributors to their respective SB Nation sites, but today they decided to come on and uh, have some some competitive banter. So I think you'll enjoy it. We get into the series uh, as well as some predictions, and, and uh, we kind of tee up what we think is a very fun NBA rivalry about to play out. Uh, but before you listen to this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things we always ask. We love the feedback too. If you send us questions, comments, all that stuff is, is always greatly uh, appreciated. Uh, and you can send those questions to uh, Mike Prada at SBNation.com. Or find us on Twitter at Mike Prada SBN, at Limited underscore Upside, or at EpiBen. Uh, again, great show today. I think Mike and I can safely say that we got to sit back and laugh a little bit, and that's always fun. So have uh, a good time listening to this Limited Upside podcast. We're back. I'm Mike Prada. We're on the Limited Upside Podcast, and we have a special show for you tonight. Two moral frenemies join the show. <laughs> uh, Bram Kinchelow uh, from SB Nation's Warriors site, Golden State of Mind. Ryan Morton from SB Nation's Cavs site, Fear the Sword. You guys, just like these two teams, have a bit of a history, don't you? I mean, you could call it that. I'd, I'd say it's more of a... a a mystery why we still ever speak to one another, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bram's like a little, very little brother to me, so. <laughs> You're like three years younger than me. I'm only littler if you count the weight difference. Oh, so we're already so throwing makers. Yeah, so everyone gets a good visual of this. We now know who the larger of the two guests are. Uh, and the older. And, I, and the older. Yeah. So we've established a few a few ways to uh, uh, for people to tell who we have uh, on this podcast. So let me get right into the questions here. I wanted to ask you both this. I know that uh, Ryan and, and Brandon, I can just get you going, so I'll just kick it off with a very simplistic question. Ryan, you have the floor because you guys are the defending champions here. You'll be the Cavaliers representative, obviously. Are you more confident this year than last year? And, and overall, how does this year's emotion as a fan feel compared to last year uh, when you were obviously going into a, a much different situation? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would say I, – I would say I'm more confident but in a different way. <laughs> obviously, the task is much tougher uh, because the Warriors have added Kevin Durant. You don't add a former MVP and not get a whole lot better. But the feeling that, you know, and, and Mike, you can probably relate a little bit um, with the Cavs and Cleveland sports in general. Before last year, you always felt like the bottom was going to fall out in some horrible way, um, especially with the prior year, losing both Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving about a month apart, right when you get to the playoffs in the first major season of what promises to be a championship team. Um, so last year going into it, it was, holy crap, you know, are they ever going to win? Of course, in their window, 
is what might be the greatest team of all time. They just won 73 games. This is absolutely impossible. We're so screwed. Why am I wasting my time going through all this? Um, and now, you know, that stress is gone. The, the entire process, at least for me, has been validated. You know, when you look at teams across history, great teams, the Buffalo Bills are a good example. It's a different sport, but, you know, they go to the yeah. Super Bowl four times. They win no titles. Um, if the Cavs were to go four times, five times and lose four of the five, Having that one title, at least to me, validates your entire process and, and your existence as a great team. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll give you another cross-sports analogy and just to step in. I think they're almost more akin to like the Atlanta Braves throughout the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, it, they were consistently not just in the playoffs, but they were consistently the best team, uh, you know, obviously from from one of the two conferences, in, in this case, the you know, National League. But, you know, they made the playoffs like 15 or 16 consecutive seasons and won one title. And I think people would call that I don't I'm know sure about pe- that. I, I don't know if it's a success. Call, I'm not sure that's a success. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a success. And I'm saying not that the Cavs are there, but obviously given the fact that they're going to continue to be at the top of this Eastern Conference mountain for a considerable period of time. And they're uh, definitely only going to win. And they're definitely <laughs> only going to win one title. Well, so that, that was the part I was just going to mention. Yeah. Is that Damn, Ben, you're already counting them out of this title. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm, not, I'm like, you know, I have not made a, any declaration yet of who I think is going to win this particular series. But what I will say, and I'll do that in this podcast, uh, they'll tease that there. But I'll say this. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure that that wouldn't be the case in terms of who I would call them the, cl- the closest cross-sport reference point. Not to cut you off there, Ryan, but I do get dig the bills. They went to four consecutive Super Bowls, I guess, and that's that's pretty unfathomable, too, to lose all the Super Bowls in a row. But uh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, you're, you're, you're saying that they would have been the bills if they hadn't won. Now they're not the bills. Yeah, they're not yeah, the bills. Exactly. Yes. So, good. yeah, I mean, you look like I think the bills are a joke, and I probably <laughs> shouldn't, but, you know, <laughs> you went to four and you won zero, and that's kind of – unfortunately how it works like we're so obsessed with that final goal that we miss a lot you know we talk about tim duncan lebron james michael jordan you never hear about carl malone even though he's probably one of the five greatest players ever um come on um so I like that just chorus of eh. I didn't even have to eh. And my, my silent eh was just enough. Like it was just was, okay. Fine. He's top fifteen player. Yo, like I'm. I'm not sure Carl Malone would be a top four player. Uh, he's not as good in the longevity of the all game. Right. When it's all said and done, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and uh, LeBron will be better than him. And that's just in this series. Okay. Uh, I, you know, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, he's go trying ahead, to find ahead. someone at the top I, of his head. I, I know, I know. I'm sorry. He's trying to make a good point, and he's just failing. Let's just let's let him keep trying to make his dumb <laughs> points about the Bills and Carl Malone. Please go ahead, Ryan. Please finish your point so that I can speak. <laughs> I hate you all so much. Um, but anyway, yeah, that fear of the process being a complete failure and having to read a multitude of bad tanks um, is gone. And the, I think the floor for the Cavs has changed. Like you're, I'm no longer wondering like how horribly could this go wrong? It's more, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, they can beat anybody. They've done it before. So um, I, I'm not more confident, but I'm confident in a different way. If that makes sense. Like, I, I don't think it's possible for them to be flamingly embarrassed. Um, but it's a much tougher task than it was last year because the best player on the Warriors is better than the best player they had last year. So, ironically, 
the Warriors are now in that position where it's like, you know, if you only get one title with this run and th- this team and blah, 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 like that maybe is a little bit of a disappointment. Like that's kind of what I think is interesting about this series is that last year it was like the Cavs almost had the most to lose legacy-wise. This year it's the Warriors. Oh, yeah. If the Cavs win this year, 2015 gets a, like eight big stars next to it. <laughs> so I'm curious, Bram, like, do, does that anxiety like now trickle down to the Warriors fan base? No, 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 no. I mean, at least not to me. I, I think that um, regardless of what happens this year, and just for the record, I think it's, I think it's Warriors in five with Durant MVP. Is oh, wow. What I, Going right up said. there. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's my, that's my, that's my guess. Um, I went through actually today. I wrote a whole piece about how, uh, like a, you know, position by position breakdown that I've been doing, uh, sort of ahead of each series going into each series. You know, obviously the players aren't playing each other straight up, but it's just in- interesting to like think about, you know, what does Curry versus Kyrie look like, and what does J.R. Smith versus Clay look like, and what do the benches look like, and you know, whatever. Even though obviously both these two these teams switch a lot, but as far as your question about anxiety. Um, I think that the Warriors are in a really good place right now. And, uh, you know, we can all hail the toaster or we can all hail them resting against San Antonio in the reg- at near the end of the regular season or whatever you want to sort of point to. But regardless of how you cut it, I mean, they're 25 and one with a plus 16 point differential or somewhere in that somewhere in that vicinity. Um, you know, they're the first team to enter the pl- enter the finals 12 and 0. Um I know this is a super hot take, but like I don't think sixteen and zero is totally off the table. Like I think that that's a that's a thing that could easily happen, and I think it's it's just really hard to game plan what these finals are going to look like because neither team has been tested really. Like the Celtics sure as hell didn't do it, and the Jazz sure as hell didn't do it, and unfortunately the I was really looking forward to that that series against the Spurs. I thought that that was going to be an all time series, but then unfortunately, you know, with the Kawhi injury, um, we didn't see it. I think that. You're Again, speaking like, about that like it's hushed tones, like you don't want to admit what actually happened there. See, I'm still, I know, like, <laughs> I watched that thing like a thousand times, like it was the Zapruder film, you know, like I really got into it, a la like the murdering of one of our presidents, and yes. I <laughs> still think, I still think that it was unintentional. And I know I'm a huge homer for saying that, but I also, like his his head flips back around. He's looking at where the rebound is going to go. Whatever. I'm sure yeah, you guys yeah. have covered this a million times. And he has he has a nice long history in the NBA of doing that kind of stuff to people. So I would not um I would not be so quick to give. Well, yeah, I, yeah but regardless of if it was intentional or not, like I as a basketball fan hated to see that happen, regardless of intent. Well, I you know? agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something we can all agree on. Like, I really wanted Kawhi to be playing at full strength. And I even wrote a whole piece about this. Like, I wish Kawhi had played in the fi- in the conference finals, you know. I think it would have made for much more intriguing basketball. I'm, well, I think they definitely would have lost game one. But I'm not sure that they would have that not then won another four in a row. Or, you know, who knows? Who, sure, it's sure. impossible to say. But as far as... Um, as as sort of like fear or uncertainty as to how the Warriors are going to play. I mean, I think that the Warriors are, other than the coaching situation with Kerr being injured, um, and other than this mysterious Steph Curry injury that you guys just brought up, like they're completely healthy and they're sporting on paper perhaps the strongest team ever, as evidenced by the fact that they're going in undefeated into the finals. And so, 
Do you feel would, like you know more though about this team? Uh, sorry to interrupt, but no. uh, interject. Do you feel like you know more about this team or less about this team because they haven't been remotely tested? There was no seven-game Thunder series that you know uh, was sort of like the the appetizer for the NBA Finals last year for them, where they got game fit, but it also took them you know back a notch physically. Yeah, I mean, again, like, so I feel like I, in some ways, know more this year mm-hmm. because I know that they're all healthy and I know that they're playing at completely at the top of their game and they've been just wiping dudes out, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, last year, there was a lot more uncertainty just because of the fact that who who would have thought that they would go down 3-1 to the Thunder? Who thought that the Thunder would even be there in the first place? I mean, we thought that was sure. going to be that yeah. Spurs Warrior series that we'd all been waiting for. And so, like, you know, when the, by the time that they went down 3-1 to the Thunder, being defending champs and having the 73-win season, I mean, I was completely, as a Warriors fan, I was completely shell-shocked. And I really, I was not my, I did not have huge hopes that they were going to be able to come back and win that series, especially with Curry having gotten injured. And I think, like, when he went down in the Rockets series, like, the whole tenor and the whole, like, timbre of the entire playoffs for them completely changed. Because when it first happened, we all thought he was going to be out for the entire season. I mean, we thought that was it. And so then it's like, well, heck, like, who's going to carry it from here? You know, is Clay going to take up, up the reins? And, and you know, now, like, we've seen this with this team now with, like, two legit MVP candidates and then two other All-Stars. It's even when Durant went down, they played some of their most inspired ball of the entire season during that stretch. And I think, like, even if they did suffer, you know, I hope I really hope they don't, but if they did happen to suffer some sort of injury this year, they just have so many weapons and they sort of, like, have so many guys that can step up and take the reins that it, it's not as much of a mystery. You know, you're not, like, hoping that Harrison Barnes turns into the player that we all thought he maybe could be when they drafted him, you know, years ago. It's not... It, so, in, in some ways, it's definitely actually less... Um, it's less confusing moving into the finals this year. Hmm. At the same time, they have not been tested at all. I'm not sure the Cavs really have either, but like at least the no. Cavs, at least the Cavs had that stretch in the regular season where we're like, oh, are we really sure about these guys? Like, is this, are we really going to get to see like what these guys are really made of? Like, one of the things that I always loved about the past Warriors teams is that there were those moments where they needed to kind of rise to the occasion a little bit. And, you know, except for last year in the finals, they usually did. Like, the Cavs have at least had a moment where it's like we actually got to kind of whip ourselves into gear and see what we're really made of. Like the Warriors have just—it's been a joyride this playoffs. Yeah, well, but not Game One of the Western Conference Finals. I mean, okay, they were for one for one half until the oh, they yeah. injured the dude. I, I actually think like I wonder if Warriors. I, I think it's interesting you mentioned that you wish Kawhi played. I think some of that I imagine is because you're a fan of basketball, right? Yes. No, entirely. Yeah, as but a, some as of it. Pure- I'm a basketball fan first and foremost, and then I'm a Warriors fan actually second. I mean, I'm a I'm like a total Homer Warriors fan, but I always would rather there be good basketball. Right, but I imagine there's also an element of you that says, you know, if they had to, if the Spurs push them, they would be in a situation where they would have to rise to the occasion in some way. And now it's like they it could be that the joy ride continues and they're just too fucking good. Or it could be that, like, maybe they would have been nice to learn something about, like, the character of their team before they got to a point where they were in the finals against LeBron. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. I get that. But at the same time, I mean, you talk about the character of the team. I mean, them dealing with the loss of their head coach, them dealing with all of the crazy shit that's been happening with Kerr, and he is definitely the captain of this ship, you know? Um, I mean, I, I think that, 
it's something that we don't talk about and it's something that we shouldn't take lightly. And the fact that they, in many ways are playing for him as he struggles behind the scenes, you know, and tries to fight his way back onto the court. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's not like, it's not the same as Kyrie and love being injured in 2015, but it definitely is a a thing that, that suddenly they're like leaning on Mike Brown to make these in-game decisions. And we, we were actually, we were joking on the golden state of Mindcast the other day, how, um, you know, in some ways maybe we would, trust Mike ba- Brown better to like not be tempted to play Anderson Verajao and, <laughs> and, and co like in game seven. And then oh, we yeah. were like, wait a minute, but that's actually Bob Myers. We're like, thank you, Bob Myers. <laughs> so, you know, like regardless of whatever Mike Brown does, at least he doesn't even have the option to turn to Verajao. Let summer. me tell you about Mike Brown, man. I watched him send Anton Jameson out for f- like six straight games to just flail against Kevin Garnett as he got dominated on both ends of the court. Um, so an, an in-game decision based on matchups, and I know he had said that recently, but, and Mike's maybe the nicest person that I've ever encountered in my entire life. And I think everyone across basketball that you talk to will say the same. Like there's nobody has a bad word to say about Mike Brown. Um, his next quality in-game adjustment will probably be the first one that I ever see. <laughs> oh, so, it's the first, and he hasn't had to make any so far. Well, yeah, yeah that's so. That's I mean, point. he's he's a good between game coach. That was the same with the Cavs. Like you know, he between games he'd come up with some great things, but in game, you guys have all seen the Mike Brown stare. You know, when he's just like thousand yards into the distance, and that's why I actually. My my hot take, well, that's not even a hot take, but I think that the first game that the Warriors lose, which, again, I do think that they're going to lose at least one game in this series, that you, you see Kerr actually make a return after that game. Mm. Well, then that, w- that would indicate maybe a lack of trust in your whole system, though. Yeah, I mean, that's, but I, don't I think know. that's an interesting like maybe, dynamic. Well, I feel like if, if I'm Kerr, right, and they haven't lost a single game yet, and maybe he actually, he's kind of downplaying it, but he's starting to feel like he could potentially get back but he doesn't want to upset the dynamic of what they have going on because they're 12 and 0 like if they do lose a game it's like all right now's the time that I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see that happen i don't think it would be a referendum on mike brown i think it would just be like all right we need to buckle down and and then they would win out and then it would be five uh five, five game, game. Uh, yeah. so. that, that makes tomorrow pretty crazy for me like that's the thing and we were talking about how the warriors have played nobody the Cavs haven't either like you know yeah. the they, tomorrow, they by the way, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday night, so tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So that's what makes game yeah. one. Today's game. Today's game one is going to be super lit. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, like, the Cavs, you know, they fell asleep against the Pacers, and they had the, the biggest comeback in playoff history. But is that that great? I mean, Paul George is great, but that Pacers team was pretty bad. Um, Boston, you know, the, the only thing I like about the Boston series is they, they defend – somewhat similarly similarly to the way Golden State does um, in that they're constantly rotating, constantly moving, and, and they're really physical. I mean, you know, you take Isaiah Thomas out of the equation and their whole game is just trying to, you know, toe that line of is it dirty or is it, you know, just physical and pretty reckless. Um, so the Cavs come in having gotten beaten around and, you know, they – didn't really, you know, Boston isn't that good, but they at least had to get their dander up a little bit after they thought they'd quit in game three and, and the Cavs ended up getting rolled. Um, so, you know, they come off a really physical series. Kyrie has to play against Avery Bradley, and now it's like, oh, okay, you know. So I, I feel like they might be a little more up 
if that makes any sense. So I want to ask, I want to ask Prada a quick question here because Mike, you had written about way back when around Christmas time, I guess, or we had talked about it on one of these podcasts, um, you know, the, the game, which they played around the holidays there, right on Christmas day. So is there anything that we could have taken from that game that if people can think back, remember it was a really good game. (laughs) Um, both teams played at a high intensity, but is there anything from a, which you can remember about that game that you, you think we'll be seeing in this series? I, that was a big game, I think, for the Warriors, you know, in it defeat. It was a big, you know, we talked about, like, did the Warriors have any gut check moments in this playoffs? That was a big of a gut check moment to, to have Durant play so well and Curry be just so ineffective off the ball. You know, I want to say it was right after that time that Curry made his, like, you know, I, I need the ball and pick and roll more in my right, Bram. It was right around that time of year. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And so the balance, that was sort of a moment that they need to wake up and kind of find the balance a little bit more. And I'm not sure that there was anything nefarious about how they were playing before. It's just, you know, you, sometimes you kind of need to have a new experience to grow. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, I think there are some things that Cleveland could do strategically, you know, to make the Warriors play a little bit more like they did in that game where it's like they're they're It's more like one solo artist and the whole thing doesn't really work. Um, that would be the real key. But otherwise, like it was a long time ago. I mean, Deandre Lake yeah, started I mean, that's, shooting guard. I yeah. mean, yeah. You're, you're not going to play, you know, you saw Channing Fry in that game. You're not going to see him again. You saw Deandre <laughs> Liggins starting. You're not going to see him again. Mm-hmm. JR didn't play. Richard Jefferson played 30 minutes. Um, well, we might see and, that again. I don't know. Well, he, he got some run in the Boston series. Um, they took Fry out of the rotation and put in Jefferson, I think, to get ready yeah. for maybe playing him. But he was terrible. I mean, he, he was, you know, and no I mean, he's basically own. Richard he's, Jefferson at this point in his career is like basically like you. He's great on social media and just terrible in real life. Wow. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good burn, not going to lie. Take the, take the compliment, man. Great on social media. It's awesome. Yeah, great on social media. All right. <laughs> great podcasting. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. What do you take out of that, that Christmas game? I mean, the other question is, I mean, if we're going to be fair, like, shouldn't we be asking the same question about the MLK Day blowout? I mean, I think if, I know the Cavs were on the long road trip and they were not themselves. I, I just, I think. Did they, have, did they have Kevin for the second game or did he get hurt? I think he got hurt like, after it was a blowout. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know they didn't have JR that entire time, but I didn't know. And yeah, that MLK game, you know, they're on the road trip, and that was right when they settled in. It was like they hit Christmas and won that game against the Warriors and took the rest of the year off. And <laughs> now there's, I mean, there's happenstances between each of that. You know, you lose JR, you go on a road trip, you lose Kevin. Um, Kyle Corver had just gotten there, then he got hurt, and you get Darren Williams, and he was banged up. And then Corver comes back and you get Derek Williams and then Kevin Love comes back and none of these guys have played together. And, you know, so it was a cluster basically right up until the playoffs started. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, and I wouldn't take much away from the Christmas game, you know, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, uh, that was so long ago. Yeah. The only thing that really stood out to me was they still have nobody to defend Kyrie Irving. I don't know that anybody does. But, yeah. you know, he's he is not concerned in the slightest bit about Clay Thompson. Well, so, um, so look, give me some keys here. Let's transition a little bit. Ryan, you can, while you're going here, like if you perceive or as you perceive this series going where the Cavs win, tell me why and how that happens. Like where are the matchups they're exploiting? Kind of walk me through how you see that scenario playing out. Um, well, 
I mean, you know, they're not going to win, I don't think, unless Kevin Love has a good series. Mm-hmm. And how that plays out is tricky because, you know, the, the way Kevin Durant makes them trickier is you're not going to leave him all alone hoping he gets the ball uh, like they did last year with Harrison Barnes. Right. Um, so, you know, and I, I've, I've run through a lot of different ways. That you probably have to have LeBron defend him or maybe Tristan Thompson, um, which I think is something he might be able to do semi-capably. Or you just let him go off and you let him be the guy that gets the ball and you prey on his tendencies, you know, to have played that way in the past. And, you know, you just let him go off to the detriment of the entire system. I mean, that was what happened at in the Christmas game, essentially. Yeah. And, you know, but I thought that was kind of by design. It felt like the Warriors, you know, their first half of the year was was mostly featuring Kevin Durant. Right. Um, but well, now you want to force them back into that. At least I would think so. You know, and, and historically they did with Barnes. Draymond Green would be the other one. Um, you know, Ty Lue has has decided that giving Green the ball, his inclination is to pass. So they gave him the ball with a wide open shot and try to cover everyone else. And, you know, you, you probably have to see a lot of that and have him not shoot very well. That's what worked for them in 2015. You know, give Draymond the ball, put it on him. And for three games, he was pretty bad. And then for the next um, three, he was pretty good. So, um, but you have to have te- you have to have Kevin Love have a big series. Kyrie Irving has to outplay Steph Curry again, um, which of course is a tall order. And you know LeBron has to be LeBron. Do they have anyone? I don't think they have anyone to cover him. Uh, Andre Iguodala. I went on a few other uh, a few other pods. Andre Iguodala has been my Warriors X factor for every single one of them because if he's still shooting eleven percent. He's where you move the ball. Like, you know, he's got to be the guy that plays well to keep Zaza West and McGee off the floor because I think the Cavs are going to destroy those three. And if he's still shooting 11%, the Cavs will gum up their entire offense. Yeah, that's Um, just how Iggy is. It's weird. His whole career, specifically in Philadelphia, he'd have these waves where he would forget how to shoot. I mean, it's just mechanically he shoots such a high arcing shot that he loses his release point and he can't get depth perception on his shot. It's unbelievable. Speaking um, of Zapruder happened. filming. <laughs> no, man, but this Damn, is like no, I mean, I, this is this is interesting. I like this. Yeah, it's, crazy. This is, uh, it's nuts. But um, so uh, give us your prediction then. We already have uh, Brand's prediction. He went on the record nice and early. Uh, and we're going to let <laughs> Brand have the retort here as well, um, a little rebuttal so you can tell us how you see the Warriors winning this series. Um, but I'm, Ryan, Ryan how, what's your, your prediction? I'm making the ultimate lack of, of spine pick, and I'm, I'm going to go Cavs in six because nobody okay. that's confident about anything picks in six. But <laughs> That's true. You're not going to pick a loss. So <laughs> I'm going to say Cavs in six. I think that they find ways to keep Kevin Love on the floor um, via him guarding Zaza, West, you know, Iguodala, what have you. He's playing great basketball right now. And, and I think, he, you know, he's going to be a major factor in this series. All right. The Kevin Love point is a good one. I So, like, all that stuff with the Warriors, like, Bram, do you agree that they the Warriors cannot guard Kyrie and LeBron? Because I'm not sure Warriors fans would agree with that necessarily. I mean, nobody can really guard those guys, but don't the Warriors kind of have the ultimate setup for it? I, I Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that they if, if anybody's going to do it, especially in the finals, like, they're kind of set up to try. <laughs> um, obviously, last year they were uh, ineffective <laughs> when it came to those two guys, but I, I think 
you know, again, like Clay Thompson is still an all-world defender, and I think putting him on Kyrie is is going to slow down Kyrie as much as anybody in the league can when Kyrie really get, gets going. And I think the biggest the biggest um, the biggest difference, you know, you talk about Durant being such a better. Uh, obviously, it's not just Harrison Barnes like just standing in the corner hoping that somebody takes pity on him and throws in the ball so that he could check up a brick. You know, obviously, it's a completely different situation with Durant. But what people don't really understand is that Durant's almost his biggest contribution this year really has been his shot blocking and his rebounding and just his crazy defensive presence. And he's really raised his defensive game to a to a level that he never really got to ever in Oklahoma City or in Seattle. You know, he's really taken advantage of his seven seven one frame and he's just as being this like incredible disruptor, even though he's not obviously the the thickest guy. You know, he's as he's as 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 big as a you know a, a lamppost basically. But um you know if if you're talking about like the Warriors sort of being able to really switch one through five and having Durant and Green sort of anchor that defensive intensity, especially in the death lineup. I think that that's a way in which you can kind of like put both those guys on on uh, LeBron as he tries to get into the paint and that it really is going to disrupt his shot, especially if they go small and especially if Iguodala is healthy again. I mean, that that one, two, three of Iguodala Green and and, and uh, Durant on LeBron, like kind of switching on and off of him, I think is no other team can really throw those sorts of defensive looks at, at them. They'll throw Livingston in there too. They used him last year as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, Livingston's six seven. I mean, legit. <laughs> so it's you know he's only, he's only what an inch shorter than LeBron, but maybe like a hundred pounds lighter or something. So. He's half. Yeah. He's a half LeBron. Yeah, half LeBron. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to talk myself into this series being more interesting than I originally thought because, well, one of it is because they they all have different elements. So like Cleveland's strategy last year was basically, as Ryan said, you play three on five, essentially, with their top guys. You just funnel the ball to Harrison Barnes and Godala. Obviously, with Durant, you can't really do that anymore. You have four guys you really have to worry about. Or if you want to throw Draymond Green out of it, it's two versus three. And, when the, and the three they have to worry about, like, you really have to worry about, right? So... They, you can't. One of Kyrie and Love, if not both, is going to have to really haul ass on defense in a way that they're not normally used to, you know. And probably more than that, because again, if you if you match, I mean, I wrote about this too. If you match up traditionally, then like you might not stop the Warriors anyway, you know. So maybe your only chance is to try to do something funky and muck it up. On the on the other side, though, one of the things I've been really curious to test out with the Warriors this year, and this is why I'm like kind of lamenting that they haven't really been tested in the playoffs, is defensively they're obviously great, but are they great because their one on one defense is amazing against the very best players, or is it because they can kind of use Draymond and Duran as kind of roamers off non threats and just plug whatever hole they have? Like I wonder if the one thing that's like Cle- a double LeBron. Right. I mean, but the one thing Cleveland has that other teams don't that they play is that they actually have guys who are better at scoring one on one. And then they have shooters that you cannot leave. So, I mean, you can't if you're the Warriors, like you can't just kind of use Draymond and Durant to be the roamers easily in this series. Like you got to really be able to stop these guys one on one. It's harder to send help. And if you can't like. Kyrie is one of the few dudes I've seen in the league, maybe the only dude in the league where if like Draymond Green is switched on him, like he's attacking that guy. No, not scared at all. You know? And that's like a big foundation of the Warriors defense. And if you turn them into like a series if you prevent the Warriors from using their collective length to help, 
you know, and you turn it into a bunch of one-on-one matchups. Like the Warriors want you to do that, and so that's why they destroy any other team. But the Cavs kind of want to play that way, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's first off, Mike. You prefaced that the whole thing with. I now I've talked myself into this being interesting. Like this wasn't intriguing <laughs> enough NBA Finals. Yeah, matchup okay, for you. fine. I, I've talked myself. <laughs> let me rephrase. I've talked myself okay. into this making up for the rest of the playoffs. Okay, okay, and that's the okay. topic. That makes I wanna, more sense. I'll, I'll yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Me. Yes, you're See, right. I've been there from the. I've been there from the beginning. I mean, we knew this was coming. We knew this was going to happen. We basically could have penciled this in even before Durant came to the Warriors. And then as soon as he did come, it's like, oh, man, that final series is going to be dope. Like, yeah. I can't wait until June, you know? Oh, but the, the Cavs, you know, they were so vulnerable. You know, the uh, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas and John Wall, man, they're coming. Yeah, but whoever actually yeah. thought that is oh, is Man, you guys not... are really – you're subtweeting me a little bit. I wasn't I wouldn't saying they were going to lose or anything. I was just like, I had my antennas up. I just had my antenna up. That's all. I was, I was concerned about Toronto and then, you know, foolish me. I forgot about Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> and there's no – and that's the thing. I mean, Toronto had, you know, other than the Warriors, they might have had the best setup to guard LeBron as anybody. I mean, P.J. Tucker, DeMari Carroll's the shell of himself. Serge Baca's, you know, he's good on a switch. Like, I thought they had the best setup in the East. And if LeBron James is hitting 40% of his threes, like, forget about it. Go home. Wow. The, you're, it's, it's, it's a waste of your time to try to defend him. And if Kyle Korver can be on the court, um, and he, you know, he's another one of those stress points that I have. You know, if, if Kyle Korver can be on the court, like doubling LeBron and Kyrie is not something that exists. If if or rolling Korver, off them either, like you can't. Yeah. Like you gotta like if you're gonna beat the Cavs, like you ultimately have to stop them one on one. And like maybe if Iguodala is what he was two years ago, like that's fine. I and I think it might still be fine, but like that, I would be a little stressed out about that if I'm a Warriors fan. Um, but you know, at the same time, the Cavs have serious trade offs on the other end to figure out too. Like I, I'm starting to think that like these teams are just going to score 120 on each other every yeah. game. Ah, you're you're thinking they might get worried about not defending, but they planned ahead by never defending all year. <laughs> Some teams panic. <laughs> Some teams panic when their defense is getting scored on. They thought of that. They're used to it. They got lit up all season just so they want to get nervous when it happens. Wait, in the wait, Ryan, are you saying that the Cavs have been acting like like uh, in a light years fashion this year by not playing defense? Oh, that's just, mm, yeah, hopefully mm. they finish it off by winning instead of just talking and getting embarrassed later. But um, you know. I'm so looking forward to this sweep. It's going to be so sweet, man. It's going to be. <laughs> I want to ask this question to both of you guys. What is the thing about the other team that you loathe the most? Oh, God. Oh, man. About the team or about, like, the fans? Just anything about... Because this is almost like a weird culture war, this rivalry, in a way that almost... I wasn't alive. I wasn't alive for Boston, L.A., but it kind of feels like a the closest thing in terms of, like, not only, like, a great basketball rivalry, but also a great culture war between the two cities. Um about the whole thing, like, like I mean, I'll start with Bram. Like, what is the thing about the Cavs' cult of personality and the cat, whatever, all of it that entails, like the basketball team, the fan base, the city, anything that bugs you the most? Definitely, it's Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, other than each other. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Okay, other than each what? other, what's second place? 
Um, well, so let me preface this by saying that I actually have a bunch of respect for LeBron. I literally just wrote a piece about how I actually think that he's the best player of all time and published it on a Warriors on my Warriors site. So like I have a lot of actual respect for both LeBron and specifically Kyrie. I think that they're like two of the top players in, the, in our league right now. Um, as far as the Cavs fans, I don't know how much of like the things that actually bother me about them that I can get into on this podcast. Um, well, let's some see. of them involve like November, if you know what I mean. Ah, uh, okay, Jesus. okay, all right, maybe. So, and like, I don't really. It might be a little there. too far. Yeah, right. I had nothing. I had nothing to do. No, and I know, and that—that's the one thing about Ryan is that I love the fact that we've had like lots of open discourse about that. And so, without going there, the thing that really bothers me the most about Cavs fans is just like, so a lot of Cavs fans they they feel like the and and this isn't just Cavs fans. It's it's it's, it's fans like throughout. Um, the nation. I mean, I, all, all NBA fans have sort of like decided as soon as Durant, as soon as they won 73 games and then lost 3-1 and then Durant came over that basically like the Warriors are the evil empire. And they've immediately sort of like forgiven LeBron James for his seemingly unforgivable gaffe in the decision and going to Miami. And now LeBron is suddenly like the homegrown, lovable, underdog, you know, scrappy champion and it's like dude lebron is a in my estimation the best player who's ever played the game of basketball and b like d- the same people who are so angry and so pissed off about durant were the same people who are so angry about lebron it's like you can't have it both ways and the other thing is that like you know people talk about the cavaliers being so bad and lebron like resurrecting the franchise and all this stuff and he finally led them to a championship it's like dude the warriors were way worse for way longer. <laughs> and yeah. they did all this stuff with homegrown talent, with dudes who are like oh. super self-effacing other than obviously, yes, they have Durant now, but like three out of their four core superstars are drafted by this team. And I think that they've done an amazing job of talent evaluation, an amazing job of building a, a place where these high-level players like Iguodala and like Durant want to come and it sort of coincides with the the rise, unfortunately, of like the tech industry and the fact that these guys are all investing in sort of like all these outside things and that they can make all this money on the back end of things being in the Bay Area. And that that type of stuff pisses me off about my own hometown and team and whatever, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but like but, you know, at the at the core of it, it's a bunch of guys who seemingly really care about each other and want to a like share the ball and take less money and be a part of this amazing organization that like, no, I'm serious, dude, you're laughing, but it's like that, that the narrative of that has somehow turned into like, they're these evil bastard children of like the Dell human hellscape, whatever, like horrible, like <laughs> this is one of the, this is one of the most like, epic lines in limited upside history right there. Keep, keep going. Keep going. There's like five hyphens right now. <laughs> I think oh, we should, you know, like, you know how, like, a lot of sites like, like us, like, put these quote memes up and, like, you know, <laughs> have the big fancy letters and yeah, with yeah. the great face and, like, we put it on our Instagram accounts. Like, we got to do that for that quote. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> he, just saying that he, the one did that to me. I went on, I went on the Mindcast and I said that my problem with them was that their players are a bunch of dicks. And <laughs> when they posted it, the headline was, Cavs blogger calls the Warriors a bunch of dicks. And I would like to say that we got a shit ton of clicks because of that. So you're welcome, SB Nation. You <laughs> are you. welcome. So so I guess to sum it up, like, Bram... No, I'd like to finish my point. Yes, is that I feel do. like people, 
people like somehow assume that the Warriors are a bunch of dicks. Like Ryan, who's wrong, who's the worst part about Cavs fandom, and he represents everything that's wrong in this world by specifically by living where he lives and having a stupid face. But more than that, it's just that people like wrongly assume that these guys are evil, and yet like all they want to do is play good ball and like live in a place that's warm and friendly, and that people aren't assholes to one another. And I respect that. All right, yeah. Brian, what do you? What do you? Well, go ahead, Ben. I just wanted to say real quickly that I do think the part of the fascination with the flip on LeBron is that there is an intrinsic mechanism in sports fandom, especially objective sports fandom, which would be like a neutral fan or someone like myself who is a fan of the Sixers passionately, but is that's coincided with them being horrible for the entirety of LeBron's career, basically. Uh, and obviously this Warriors run, but there's, there's this thing that fans want to root for the best player. Like they want to be behind the greatest thing happening in that, whatever that may be. That's why they rooted for Federer or root for Federer and, you know, and uh, Tiger Woods and Michael Phelps and Federer is a good guy. So you could put him off in another place. But like all the other guys, people rooted for Tyson after he was a rapist. Like it's not about necessarily uh, um, the the story as much as people do want to be behind that person. So like going home, I believe that narrative plays really well with like that exact kind of like centrist fan, if you will, for them to be able to like trigger back on the fact that they no, want. I get it. The best, I just, the best I just also I just also think people are stupid. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's a little no bit of hip- hypocrisy with the dudes burning their LeBron jersey and no, then no now supporting him. I agree. That was with. two people. That was two people, and one of them was you. No, <laughs> and they're dumb. But yeah. I mean, look, you can be upset as a Cleveland fan when he left, and you can be super excited when he comes back because ultimately you're a fan of the basketball team. I mean, that's like you want what's best for your franchise to win a championship, and it was the worst thing for the franchise when he left, and it was the best thing when he came back. You're not his like personal friend, not you specifically, Ryan, but like fans in general, like the Miami fans when he left. Do you think they gave a shit? They were like, great, we're going to go back to the fucking beach. That was it. Like that was that was the end of their relationship with LeBron because it doesn't mean as much necessarily to have a sports. I'm just going to speak for all Miami, but like <laughs> I know um, Miami fans left one of the greatest uh, games of all time early. So there's that. Well, I mean, there, there, there is there is no beach for Cleveland fans to go to in the uh, city. There's, there's a false, that's not true. That was about to say. There's it's a water really, park really on beautiful shitty, Lake Erie. Shitty on fire <laughs> lake that literally oh is just God. a clusterfuck of pollution and horrible attitudes. It's so, literally burning. Wait, the, 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 lake the lake is for the lake is full of horrible attitudes. No, oh, the yeah. lake, which it's, is it's where the soul the of all hotcakes go to die. Okay, Mister Bram needs to stop talking. Um, <laughs> so the lake, which is the world's largest collection of fresh water, has never <laughs> once has never once burned. However, due to um, uncontrolled, unchecked, you know, corporate greed. At one point, they were dumping so much crap in the river that it did light on fire. And out of that fire, we have things like the EPA. So you're welcome, world. For now. No, for I was going to say for now. Yeah. <laughs> well, but still. And because of – yeah, like, well, so, Someone even, had to, someone had to door, fly that. Ryan, you just opened a door that, that we cannot walk down on this podcast, my friend. Yeah. No, this is a sports podcast, yeah. uh, basketball. Sport, uh, but with that being said, I do want to give Ryan the opportunity to say what you specifically don't like about – uh, Golden State, if if you want that opportunity. Bring it. I, I'm very curious. <laughs> Will Please. I get to do this without Bram talking over me the yeah, entire keep, time, like talk. the last five minutes? Yeah, and keep, yeah, and keep this uh, to a, a, as with as little vulgarity as, as possible. Absolutely. Okay. So the thing that bugs me the most is how 
unspeakably thin the skin is, um, be that on the Warriors and the fan base, you know, you play, in the case of Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, they play, and they're amazing, with Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala, who, you know, Iguodala is always, you know, he's doing all, and it's hilarious, but, you know, he wants to make fun of someone for flopping. He wants to make fun of the ref for calling a foul. Draymond is Draymond, and I love talking crap. Clay Thompson is the first person to stand up and go, well, I don't like how they celebrated. Well, I don't really like how they did this. Well, maybe LeBron doesn't know it's a man's game. Like, I have never seen people that talk so much crap and then are so horribly hurt if the situation ever turns. You know, they want to, oh, I hope the locker room still smells like champagne. Well, I thought it was really immature what some decorator did at LeBron's Halloween party. <laughs> like, get out of here. My, my reaction to every Warriors quote is, why are people asking questions to the Warriors? Well, I know why they are. The entire media is out there, and everyone wants to be their friend. And, you know, maybe some of that is for people like Bram. Because the second most annoying thing is Warriors <laughs> fans who are actually offended that other people don't like their team as much as they do. Well, gosh, guys, everyone loved the Warriors in 2015. Like, there are Warriors respect squads that travel Twitter. And if you're not respecting the Warriors enough, I've been making fun of it for two years. Like, they just come flooding in and they're like, whoa, bro, did you know the net rating of the Warriors is equal to all but three teams in history? You better put more <laughs> respect on that name. Get the hell out of here. No one's talking to you. And the idea that. And yet they're not wrong. And the idea that, that people should somehow baby them because they're not huge on the fact that Kevin Durant gutted a wonderfully fun team in Oklahoma City and made the best team in the league more powerful. I mean, you know, Kevin Durant took an interesting conference and he turned it into a two-team conference. And that's his right to do it. I oh, love I was going to say, wait, a two-team league, you mean? Well, I mean, the Spurs, I, I think, are, are in the conversation with the Cavs and Warriors. We won't know that, of course, because the Warriors never play anyone that's healthy. But, well, they did once and they lost. Um, but, you know, the um, he, he took what, what was the most interesting conference in the league. The East is boring. And he turned it into the Warriors and maybe the Spurs. It's his right to do it. I'm happy he's happy. You know, free agency is an amazing thing. But I think people have a right to be annoyed about it. I mean, he has a right to leave. And people that root for the other 14 teams in that conference have a right to be annoyed that they might as well not exist. And the idea that, oh, well, you know, you should just be a fan of this amazing basketball. You should be watching it going, wow, what a great team. Yeah, there's nothing exciting about watching Kevin Durant and Steph Curry beat up on Jonathan Simmons and Patty Mills. Like, I'm not even super excited watching LeBron dominate the Celtics. It's just not as interesting is especially when we had stuff like last year's finals, like it's just not as interesting or last year's Golden State and Oklahoma City series. Like neither of these teams have faced a shred of the competition that they did last year. That's very true. And I think I do think that last year's playoffs were exceptional, at least those, you know, two series. Um, specifically, you got to see kind of like basketball at its finest. And that's also why I alluded to the uh, the Christmas Day game, because it kind of felt like it was back on for that day. 
like that intensity level and skill level around the entirety of, you know, all 10 players in the court at the same time. It was great to be able to kind of re-engage that level of basketball that we kind of got that taste of. And I think that's ultimately what's so intriguing about this series. But I, I, I do want to get back to something that uh, Bram brought up, brought up and ask you about this, Ryan, which is like, can you really fault Kevin Durant, though, for exercising an opportunity that LeBron basically exercised himself? No, not at all. I mean, yeah. he wants to go. I think every player should get as much money as humanly possible mm-hmm. and go wherever they want to go. You know, if you want to hold out for more money, as soon as you're not worth it to them, they're going to cut you. They're going to stretch you. If you have non-guaranteed dollars, they're going to get rid of you. If you want to, you know, there's no loyalty from teams to players in this league. So if KD feels like he wants to play in Golden State, more power to him. But I don't think it's fair to fans to be angry at them for how they react. Like, you know, other than the people that cross the line, and we know who who has and who will and who will continue mm-hmm. to do so. But well, as evidence just, even by what happened in L.A. today, too, which is crazy. Right. With, with LeBron's house, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hate that shit. So, yeah. you know, I mean, there's no excusing any of that. But if someone like me wants to go, oh, wow, this is corny. Like, I think the, the Cavs-Warriors rivalry is not as fun because, and I mean, I might be wrong, but they didn't just, like, add a role player. They added an MVP. Like, they, they completely changed the calculus and that core of Clay, Steph, and Draymond against Kyrie, Love, and LeBron is now altered. And it can still be great, but it just doesn't feel the same. And, you know, fans in Oklahoma City, they can be annoyed. I mean, they had sure. a great team, and now they have a mediocre team. And, sure. and the entire Warriors fan base, at least mm-hmm. online, is, well, you shouldn't be annoyed. What right do you have to be annoyed? You should be thanking the stars that you get to watch this team exist and and, and shake each other's hands and be happy for each other. Like, that's yeah. dumb. That that's sounds like a pretty great is. life. I mean, that sounds like a, you know, that sounds like a lot less antagonistic life than one might lead in, in other ways. That's not, that's not what sports fans do. No, I know. I mean, I get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, a jackass. I mean, I am a jackass, but I'm not like. A <laughs> so Ben, let me, let me ask you yeah. if, if this yeah. series is, um, cause last year's seven game series, like only had one close game. I mean, it was a great series, but it was like a, a great series without great games. If this series, what does this series have to be to make up for what you were kind of saying earlier where it's like, okay, it's actually worth it because we still get to see like a series like in Oklahoma city. Like at what point does, does the, does the fact that these teams are now both super teams in a different way? Like, cause I mean, to, to Ryan's point, like there was sort of a fun little like homegrown verse kind of mercenary sort of thing going on. Not mercenary, but that, that sounds harsh, but like, you know, the the organic team versus the team that comes together, right? Like kind of, you take the pizza out of the oven, and there was something fun about that. And now they're just kind of both teams. You take pizza out of the oven real too fast. But like, at what point does what? How good does the series have to be to make it so that we forget about like kind of the, the other twenty eight teams? Uh, this this series should probably be seven then. Like that, you want to see this get pushed to kind of one of those um, uh, career defining moments like that's what you want that doesn't necessarily come from a sweep unless if it's a very convincing sweep that would be really an incredible you know icing on the cake cherry on top for you know a a sweep of the playoffs that's never been done before following the season where they broke the regular season record for wins so like that's a pretty good way to i guess end that that best of three series with with the Cavs, but um, if it's not a sweep and convincing in that regard, then a seven game series, like look, fans need to be able to watch plenty of basketball with two days in between. And plus the break we just had off. 
this is a lot of time with very little basketball after what we get as a complete blitz of basketball for the first two rounds. And then usually you have better series in this in the uh, conference finals, which we didn't get. So it just hasn't been much basketball. Mike, I come down to talk to you on the 14th floor in our office. We don't even have shit to talk about from a basketball Damn. perspective. We have to talk about like life and, and our <laughs> oh, careers and our horrible. wives and things that are just like way out of our depths. So, um, <laughs> so like the fact that we have little... amazing wives to put up with yeah. our shit. <laughs> yeah. And we should say congratulations to our, our friend and colleague, Dan Rubenstein, on his oh, marriage. Yeah. Uh, speaking of wives. Oh, nice. So. You got married? Yeah. Yes. Just yes. Uh, yes. Big, big ups to Dan. Congrats to that. Um, so sorry for the quick side there, but um, I, yeah, I, I considered like... buying a plant pretty recently. So I didn't buy the plant, but you know, I might someday when I'm, when I'm ready. Plenty of, plenty of plants in the garden. If you will. Um, let's see. Uh, so so, so you're saying, Ryan, are you saying that the seeds of buying a plant were um, kind of put in the ground for you, but they haven't blossomed yet? That's, 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 that's a thing. That's a thing. Yo, you have said. one of those warrior squads go after Prada for that. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, give no, me, give Prada needs respect squads that like chase after people when they make fun of his puns. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I do Prada's like, puns are the best. I, you should I, respect I, them. His net value is super high. Wait, that's not you guys. <laughs> quit, quit acting like just oh, yeah, because no. Prada scored forty last series that his knee was fine. <laughs> <laughs> those puns are great. Those puns are healthy. Anyways, sorry, what were you saying? Wait, I think you missed the part where you should say, like, well, each has the right to, de- to you know, deliver puns. It's a free country. Like, why would you blame him for that right? This is what he fought hard for. Hey, listen, yeah. dude, I enjoy your puns. I'm a pun lover. I'm, like, a lover of all... Th- I-, I say this all the time, but I love human... I love people striving to be better than what they currently are, and I feel like every time you make a pun, you're just, like, reaching for the stars. And I, you know, Appreciate I congratulate that. you. Appreciate that. Oh, man. That might be the last pun Mike ever does with that type <laughs> of recognition. That's fantastic. Um, okay, so besides the seven games, try to get us back on track before we end this. Um, I did want to say that there's got to be an interesting psychological comparison that you just hit on there, too, between your best player going from Cleveland to Miami and Oklahoma to the Bay Area because it's just like that that rural obviously connection um which is probably obvious in the whole in the whole comparison but I do think it's interesting that the team built from free agents is the one in the in in Cleveland and and like in that analogy with the Celtics and Lakers it's kind of the opposite of Showtime in that regard because then you have your homegrown talent being Golden State just to come bring that all together um wanted to get you guys both to give us one kind of like uh bold prediction if you will for the series uh just could be about your team or the uh the opposing team here and then we'll get you out of here and uh we'll get mike's final prediction to end it with wow like a like a we have to say something nice is that what you're saying you, you can if you want that was what i was almost giving you the floor for if you guys wanted to take it um <laughs> i'll go first i feel like we're in couples therapy yeah. Ryan, I don't think you have an ugly face and I really like LeBron and I hope that you play well, but get swept, but that, uh, no, but I think actually in all honesty, I, I think, um, I think like Kyle Korver is going to swing a game somehow, some way like game three. I could say that, like, I think Kyle Korver is going to get hot in Game Three. That's my that's my bold take. Specific, I like that. Yeah, right. I don't know how bold this is. Um, it is my opinion that Kyrie Irving has never been outplayed in a playoff series, and I think if you look at that, the stats will back it up. 
maybe when he was hurt against the Bulls. But I think he's going to outplay Steph again. Um, <laughs> it, it was pretty convincing last year, and I think it will be convincing again this year. Does this mean he's a better player? No, no one's saying that. So please, nobody yell at me. Um, I, you know, over the course of regular season, Steph does a lot of things, but Kyrie in a series is a different player, and he is constantly um, outperforming, you know, the guy on the other side, and I think that's going to continue. If Dude, the Warriors I have, win, I think it'll be on the back of Kevin Durant. I have nothing but respect for Kyrie. I think he's one of the most exciting ball players in the entire league. Like what he does on a night night in night out basis is unbelievable. The play so the playoffs have a way of see of like kind of showcasing what makes him good in a way that the regular yeah. season just doesn't. You know, he's kind of built for the playoffs. Yeah, he only defends when he has to, which is always in the playoffs. Now he doesn't always defend in the playoffs, but he, I mean, when I he defends, think, it is always in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would think everyone would agree that he's a lot better in the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure those were memes last year. Like for for Kevin Love, it was like when I don't always play defense, but when I do, it's on the last possession of the NBA Finals game seven. You know, <laughs> like, you know he's just a guy that gets up for the moment, and yeah. you know, I agree I, completely. I think. He will be back doing more amazing things in the finals. And, you know, I don't want he can't be the best player in the series. I mean, they have Kevin Durant um, mm-hmm. and LeBron James in the same series. But I'll I say think this much. Well, he can be the second best player in the series. I, I think that Kyrie, like the closest analogy that you're going to get for Kyrie's playoff and specifically finals experience, sort of the experience of Kyrie in the finals, is that like they might not win the game. But he's going to shoot his shot, and that's basically the same thing as Ryan out at the club on a Saturday. Whoa, whoa. That, got, that took a turn I did not expect. <laughs> I'm, I got to admit, uh, my bold prediction is that Clay Thompson has a Oklahoma City game. He's been, too, he's been cold for too long, and I think he's going to win them a game with his shot. That Where do you see prediction. the series going, Prada? Uh I think that Cleveland will win game one. And I think Ooh, that will really? make it a series. Yes, I do. That's I a think, bold prediction, too. <laughs> I think Cleveland will win game one. Um, I just The reason I think this will be tight is that, you know, the Cavs can score on the Warriors. Like, and, and if they do, then that takes away a lot of what the Warriors do well because, like, you fewer transition opportunities, you know, more set defense, you know. You don't have, like, the impact of, like, kind of those momentum plays if they're always scoring. Um, and I think... I think it's going to be a real adjustment to have to play a team that actually wants to take you one-on-one versus the teams that the Warriors have played where it's like the Warriors are trying to squeeze you into that because they know that that's they want to take away your other stuff. So I, I think that the Cavs are going to win game one. I think the Warriors are going to win this series in seven games. And I think Clay will have a moment, maybe it's game four or five, where the game is the series is kind of in the balance and he just goes bananas again. Uh, and I think that will carry them. And I think uh, Clay or Durant will be the Finals MVP. I'm not sure which one yet. Clay wow. Finals MVP would be would be surprising. I wonder what the line is on that in Vegas. I would say. T- I mean, they actually, let's look that up. I think yeah. he's fourth. I'm pretty sure. It's, I'm sure he's fourth, but I'm curious. I'm, pr- like I'm pretty sure it's KD, Steph, or KD, LeBron, Steph, Kyrie, Clay, and Kyrie's like forty to one or something. See, I would take that. I think that's a good bet because if you think about it, Durant. Obviously, he's going to do his thing. Like the Cavs are probably going to put their best guy on Steph, their best guard defender, right? You would think. You know, they're going to really pay attention to him. You know, they were either going to, unless they take the you know let Katie get his approach. Like they're going to put Dur- LeBron probably on Durant. So then that leaves kind of like the crappy defender to guard Clay. And you know, 
I think that that might be a really good opportunity for him. Kyrie's had success on clay, though. Like we not, have two straight... not in Christmas, not in Christmas. Well, but we have two straight years of of clay and Steph being well below themselves in the finals. That's true, so... but I but I think with clay, I think part of the reason is that they've basically because they've had one less person to guard, they've fa- they've kind of been able to focus uh, more on him. That's fair. And I just now wanna... they have Durant. I don't think they're going to have to pick one of those two guys to focus a little less attention on. You know, I want to I want to bring up something that we haven't talked about yet that I think really deserves to be talked about is that the reason that the Cavs will definitely not win this series is that they're without uh, Steph Stopper Matthew Delavdova. <laughs> and I know that that's like literally Ryan's least favorite player of all time, and yet they are going to lose this finals because they have nobody who can guard Steph. They won last year because they benched him. <laughs> I'm just saying you can't you can't argue with science, man. Della like, Vadova is going to lose you this finals. Like, how does it feel to lose a finals in part because Mo Williams came in and played well, <laughs> and Dante Jones? Like, they benched Della Vadova, and you thought, oh, this can't get any worse. And Mo Williams and Dante Jones came in and and did meaningful things. Mm, I'm just happy we were able to get a, a Dante Jones. Um reference in this podcast Dante so. Jones Dante Jones will have another strong five minutes and he might punch someone in the testicles he has done that like <laughs> might, four might? times might I mean that what might, are you yeah. that's like that's so like we get some even, odds on that Why I was gonna say there? that's like, like even money you like pay one dollar to win a dollar ten cents yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that would be like you pay a dollar and then like you you lose ten cents when it happens <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, great. Now that we've gotten that all under the uh, under the hood here, why don't we finish this off? Uh, that's really all we got. This was a lot of fun. Um, this was one of the more spirited podcasts we've had. I've yet to be on one of these with you guys, but now I know what Mike's talking about. You guys have a, a natural rapport. Uh, you might you might think that you're enemies, but in in reality, uh, you are more alike than you know. So I mean, uh, really, SB Nation <laughs> should give us a season long just shit talking podcast of just just ryan and i and like we might talk about basketball sometimes but we'd probably just insult each other hey man nothing, I'll, nothing I'll, stopping I'll, you that's all i got I, I don't i don't know i mean and and to be fair you know i don't want it to sound like we we hate each other okay. i don't know that anyone has more fun than the two of us so that's true no and and yeah and like ryan's saying like we definitely rib each other a lot and we make fun of each other's fan bases but we actually have a great time doing it of course, of course. We'll, no, we'll definitely sounds. have the reunion uh, after this series is over. Certainly in summer league, I expect a reunion podcast. I will Ram, be Ram won't make hard, it. but I'm not coming to summer league, dog. I, I, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen this year. I'm actually buying a house upstate. My wife and I are moving in that week. Congratulations! Yeah, I can it's teach super you cool. A, I can tell you a few things about home ownership. Yeah, let's let's talk about that off air. Yeah, I'm like about to celebrate my fifth wedding anniversary and buy a house, so I'm just like adulting all over the place right now. Congratulations! That's so much Very adulting. Cool. Nice. Well, on that so, note, Mazeltov, and uh, and we will uh, uh, you know move on. So this has been another great episode of Limited Upside Podcast. 